Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of My Darkest Hour. Good to see you all. Thank you guys for all the comments in the last few shows. Uh, we're getting some stuff together, doing some of the requests that you guys have been asking for, checking stuff out, and let you know what we are finding as well. Uh, so tonight on the show, uh, I recently got a chance to do some investigative work, and I met uh, a really cool investigator who uh, I was really got along with, you know, we did some investigating, had a good time. Uh, the stuff that I've seen him do on the, the TV shows that he does uh, is done very, very well. You know, we all, a lot of us have these TV shows that we do, and then we're on these other TV shows as guests, and it's just, some of it's just chaos, chaos, chaos. But uh, talking with this guest, you know, it seems to be more uh, relaxed and focused. I really like the way his, his investigative uh, technique goes. So I thought it'd be really important to bring him on the show. Um, so today we're bringing on uh, Daniel Class. A lot of you guys might know from his streaming show, The Ghost Finders. And he is also on a few other shows that we're going to talk about. And one huge, huge thing that uh, a lot of you are, are asking about is, the fact that he owns the Hinsdale House, which is very popular right now. It's an amazing location. Um, I haven't been there yet. I, I'm hoping to get there. Uh, if I can get him to invite me, that would be super cool. Since we're having him on the show today, we'll talk a little bit about all that stuff. So let's go ahead and get him right on the show uh, and get this party started. So let's bring him on. Hey. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Doing good. Let me first start off saying that you're invited. So whenever you'd like to make the trip, let me know. Good, good. <laughs> so how's everything up there? Is it cold up there right now? Yeah, we got like this rainy, slushy snow crap coming down. I wish I was back in Arizona, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice and warm. Warm, just some rain, lightning storms. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Definitely cool. Awesome. So as I was telling the people uh, a little bit about your background, uh, I always want to start the show with talking about how people got involved in the paranormal. Everyone has either some kind of different story, but uh, as the listeners are out there, a lot of these stories they can relate to. So if you kind of take a step back for us and tell us how you got involved in the paranormal. Yeah, um, it was, I mean, definitely it's been a lifelong journey for me growing up in a, a haunted location. Um, they actually did a, a, a show on it on Travel Channel called My, uh, my Paranormal Nightmare, which uh, my, oh, me yeah. and my sister uh, both got to be on the show, which was cool to be able to work with my family because they experienced the same things I did when I was growing up. And um, it basically, it was a situation where, you know, as a kid, your parents try to protect you. Things were happening in our house that were unexplainable. And like, like for instance, um, we, we went to church on Sunday and we'd go out for breakfast, come home and there'd be like crayon drawings on the ceilings and crayons sitting on the middle of our, of our living room floor, like things like that. My sister's stuffed animals would always get moved off of her bed and they'd be sitting in the middle of her floor. And I always got blamed for it, of course, because I'm the older brother. Uh, but little little things like that, nothing like malicious, nothing crazy, just like, um, you know, like innocent type things, you know, uh, and, and often... Um, you know, it's like, you think, am I crazy? And your parents are always trying to tell you somebody's pulling a prank or, or something, something like that. Uh, 
I remember one time they were all off camping. I stayed back with my best friend who lived two doors down and uh, we were going over to my house to get my GI Joe guys. They were all in Canada camping. And when I opened the door, we heard like, sounded like a little boy and a little girl singing ring around the Rosie coming from the upstairs of my house. I knew nobody was there and uh, it was audible. And uh, I wanted to get the heck out of there. And he, my best friend, he ran up the stairs and it was like, uh, he, the, like the stuffed animals again were in the middle of the floor but the bear mo was moving as as we went past my sister's door so it was like total creep factor and then i ended up <clears throat> dealing with that for my whole life and then uh i moved out of there uh, and my friend had taught my mom had gotten in contact with me a few years later and she's like do you want to buy the house we're going to be moving and uh I was looking, you know, I had just settled down. My, my wife was pregnant. I'm like, it would be cool. You know, you forget about all the little things that happened, but it would be cool to have the same neighbors, my kid going to the same school that I went to when I grew up and going back into the old community and just all the fond memories I had of growing up in the town that I did. So I, I agreed to buy the house from my parents. <laughs> and then as, as my wife started seeing a little girl, like she was visually seeing a little girl on the steps. Uh, as my son got a little older, he kept talking about the boy that he was playing with in his bedroom. And uh, my friend had got me to go to uh, Lilydale, which is a psychic community out here. And uh, I, at that point, didn't know if I believed in psychics or not. I do now. Um, but um, I said, well, set me up with a good one. <laughs> and and I, I remember her name was Ellen Bourne. And uh, I, I went into her office. And before I even paid her a dollar, she said, you have two children's spirits living in your house, a boy and a girl that, that died at a young age, and they're attached to something that they own, that they love, that's in the house. I'm like, holy crap, you know? And then she told me a whole bunch of other stuff that made a lot of sense. And I was like, man, this is this is crazy. So it kind of gave solidification to what my wife was seeing, what my son was seeing, and all the stuff that I dealt with as I was growing up. And uh, I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out what it was that they were attached to. Like, uh, I'm, I scoured the house high and low trying to find something that was maybe original to that place and and then one day i was um in the upstairs it was like a two and a half floors and you know those like little squares in the ceiling that go up to a, an attic or a crawl space oh yeah yeah I, I had never been in that and i was like i need to i probably need to go up there so i went <laughs> i went and got a, a ladder because that was the only way to get up there it wasn't no, no other way popped that thing open and it was like opening a can of tennis balls it's like whoosh, you know, like the air, like hadn't been touched in all the way. And um, I got up in there, tiptoed on the floor, on the on the beams, so I didn't fall through the ceiling. That's all we needed. Um, and there were some boards over on the back wall, and it was basically just empty up there. And um, I tiptoed over to the boards, and when I turned them around, they were paintings of a little boy and a little girl um, playing with a dog, and, and just they were paintings. You know, I'm like, oh my god, I felt like a I felt like just the heaviness of all, all the time looking for the, this items that they were connected to. And here's these paintings of them, you know, um, and and it's after that, I'm like, we found the items. I felt like I was having a conversation with them. I said, you can go to the light. Everything's going to be fine. And uh, it felt like just the weight lifted off my shoulders. You know, it felt it wasn't I don't know. I felt like it was like my first Scooby-Doo episode of my life, you know, and from that point on. I was just interested in the history because I did a lot of research. I mean, I got the deed and started researching my house. I ended up finding out that the little boy and the little girl died of cystic fibrosis. You know, they, it was a death 
uh, in the uh, Tonawanda News and went to the library and I was looking on that microfiche of the old newspapers and found the, their death listings. They actually died within three months of each other. It was pretty sad. Wow, that's super sad. <clears throat> but that's one of the common stories we hear about, especially in like storytelling and stuff. You know, haunted house. We got to find the clue. What's causing the haunting? You find out that there's two kids associated with with your house with an object there. You know, so we're looking for the haunted object now. You know, and uh, that's great that it was actually just spirits of a couple of kids because you know, yeah, it could be something else pretending, and that's always the worst. So started myself light, I guess, huh, with my career. <laughs> but that's great, you know, and then you're. You found the object. You went hunting in the attic for it. Um, you let them know it was going to be okay. You're helping them with their journey. Uh, right. So that's that's awesome. That's a that's a great story. To start with. I still feel like they're with us, but I I feel like they're gone. Like they come when they want to come now. It's like they're free. You know. Yeah. Uh, I have I've since moved, but I brought the paintings with me because I feel like they're part of my family at this point. You know, like they've been with me for so, my whole life. Uh, so I have the paintings in my new house. Um, I've talked to the people that moved into my old house and they've asked me if it was haunted. So I don't know, maybe there's, maybe they're experiencing some of that stuff too. Um, yeah, you know, those kids are coming back visiting and they, yeah. you're not there anymore. And they're like, oh, who are these people? Well, let's, let's uh, move some of their stuff. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And then, uh, after that, is that what really starts the, the passion for the paranormal and you started doing that? I started going to, doing all the typical, you're going to Gettysburg, you know, going to Salem, going to all the cool hotspots of paranormal and just, just started learning from people, you know, just started picking up on what people were saying and, and then started doing my own thing. Um, you know, it all starts somewhere. Uh, and it came with me being a single person trying to capture photography, uh, showing a, fr a friend uh, at a job I was working at who was equally interested in it. And then he started showing me some of his stuff. And then we formed a group and uh, we've been together for over 10 years, you know, the doing the group and uh, started documenting what we were doing and putting it on YouTube. And that spawned off to uh, other television shows that, that I've done and uh, getting getting to a point where we were going to investigate the Hinsdale house. It all it all ties together, you know, like we were as a team going to the Hinsdale house to investigate and i had no idea about this place and then it just it just uh sucked me in you know and i had to save it so that's awesome you know um i know with the paraflix stuff i see the hinsdale house on there quite often coming across and uh to be able to have the opportunity to take such an amazing place and to buy it and own it so you can take care of it that's that's a huge thing yeah it is it was it was definitely a big leap of faith because it looks awesome now but it wasn't when i bought it and it was it was damn near close to being torn down uh it was had a demolition date actually so it was oh, that no, yeah i mean it had <clears throat> black mold throughout the kitchen in the back of the house underneath the one bedroom there was about five hundred thousand honeybees embedded into the floorboard there needed new siding it needed a new roof it was leaking i mean it, you name it 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 it, it needed a lot of TLC for sure to get up to where Complete it is. Today. Wow. But the, I felt like the energies there needed a voice. Like I felt like, okay, so there's teams coming in here. They're, you know, 
doing the same thing every week, you know, maybe getting an EVP or something, their equipment's going off, but they're not getting the story. There's so much more to the story of this house because it has so much folklore associated with it, which, you know, every every folklore story, there's maybe a little tiny bit of the truth in there somewhere. You know, it's been yeah. told from generation to generation. So all that needed, needs to be explored, and, it's you know, we're still doing it to this day, um, un- uncovering truths. We're covering maybe fables, but we've uncovered actual deaths that happened there. We've uncovered bodies. We've uncovered um, so many cool things that is maybe we're getting some answers as to why things happened the way they did there and maybe why it was deemed as demonic back in the 1970s and uh, what the families were dealing with. Maybe it was just, uh, you know, there's so many if, ands, or buts because we will never have all the answers until we die. But, you know, trying to put the story together the right way is what, what really makes me tick, you know. With a, with a location yeah and you know that's what you're, you're you're right on with that all those people coming in and trying to get their evidence and do stuff and they're not really spending the time on a house and this is one of my the, the things that i talk about a lot like when i'm doing the, the tv show stuff we're we're called in and we're there we're doing this stuff for a couple of hours whatever trying to gather crash course and evidence collecting and whatever, and then we're brought out to whatever. But you, you're always at these amazing places, you know, and nobody ever talks about this house. You know, where did it come from? Why is it there? Who lived there? You know, the story of these incredible locations. You don't get that in the in the TV shows nowadays, you know. So with the Hinsdale house, that's a perfect example, a place that deserves to have the history brought back to life, you know, the people who live there, why it's there, you know, give it back the the glory that it once had. Right. That's been one of my goals since I, as how, you know, cause there's been so many talks throughout the years of how do we compile our data? How do we get that information to people? So they have the same knowledge that we have when we go in. And there's been so many advantageous, uh, like things like putting stuff up on a website or, or compiling data here or compiling data there, but how do we how do we get that to the next person so they have the knowledge that we have in order to continue on? It's it like I look at like when teams come into the house now, they're continuing on the research that was happening with the last team because they're able to they're able to access the same data that anybody else can with this place. I, I've I along with my friend Vicky, she actually came up with an amazing idea. Um, so we have like these scannable barcodes in the house throughout throughout the house. Um, at the click of a phone, now you can get the history. You can get the um, interviews with the people that used to live there. You can get uh, teams that may have experienced something um, un- really unexplainable that was really significant. Um, talking about what they what they've experienced in this specific location. So we have like twelve of them throughout the house right now, and we're going to be expanding twelve more. Uh, in the spring to the outside of the house. Um, and also, we also keep a log. So every group that comes there is able to write down their data, what happened while they were there, what, where did it happen, what happened, what did you experience? And that information is available for any team that comes into the house to look at and review um, prior to them starting off their investigation as well. So knowledge is power. You know, the more the more knowledge you can give a team, and there's just, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, you get these locations, where you go check in, it's a 20 minute check-in period and that's where you get your history and that's then you're done for the night. You know, like I want those people to spend maybe an hour or two looking at all this stuff 
and 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 they do and they i had so many people say how helpful it was for their investigation because maybe they're getting an evp uh, of a name of somebody that lived in that house that they didn't you know how would how would they know you know how do they continue the conversation but if they have a little knowledge um of the names of the people that lived there prior and that person's coming through they can they can tie the knot together real quick and hopefully continue on with a positive interaction that they're getting because nothing, I mean, nothing would be more discouraging than me to, as a ghost if I said, hey, this is Dan. Oh, Dan, you know, can you make the, can you make the light flicker? Yeah, it's, no, tell me more. Like, tell me more about my history, you know, like may, act like you know me or something, you know, but it's like, you know, it's, I don't know. You just, you just try to do your best, you know, that you can do to try to help and assist everybody on their journey when you're doing stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and that's, a, that's another step right there. You know, I, I always talk about, I mean, like lots of investigators, panel investigators all day long. They're just everywhere. But I don't really meet that many people that I consider paranormal researchers. And that's the other half of the coin. We're doing paranormal investigation and research. Yeah. And if you have the research, the information, you put it out there. So people can take their information and put it up against it and see what the variances are. Now we're doing scientific work. You've laid out that, that grounding for them. They come in like, Oh, this person did this. This person lived here, and that's their name. And this person got this EVP saying this name multiple times. You know, that's, that's a predominant spirit there. You can know their history. And like you said, you go in the room and say, hey, Mr. Jones or, or whatever, you know. So glad, glad to be here. I heard you're very popular. And, you know, right. get them hyped up, and they'll want to talk to you. It's like, oh, you, you know me a little bit. Okay, cool. Yeah, we did this. You know, whatever, you know, that kind of gives you that jump ahead yeah. instead of trying to figure it out. It just saves so much more time. Yeah, just like you did. I, I I witnessed when we worked together, you introduce yourself to the spirits, you know, not just like come in like you own the place. You introduce yourself to the spirits and maybe you get, there's that little get to know you period before you start asking more questions, you know. If they feel more comfortable with you, you're more prone to get better evidence. So, yeah, I mean, it's important, I think. It is important, you know, and I and I do that because I'm not the person who owns that place. This is the, the spirit's place, you know, so I'm the guest. And if I'm showing up, and I want to have a good time. I'm like, hey, what's going on over here? Hey, lady. In the kitchen, I talk about, uh, and this is funny. I talk, like in Vulture City, I'll go in that kitchen and I'll talk about food and stuff and i always say oh i can smell the sweet bread blah 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 and then sometimes during the night we'll start getting a uh, phantom smells of like somebody cooking like bread rolls yeah. or something it smells incredible in there and i always say that because i'm hoping the spirits will be excited enough they'll go in there and they'll do their thing and we can experience some of that so it's pretty cool it's amazing some of the things you talk about if you just talk like you're a normal conversation what can happen you know like uh, if you find, you know, if you find out the history on somebody, their background, like one of the, one of the gentlemen that passed away that lived at the Hinsdale house, we, he was a big jokester, loved the Beatles. You know, you, you find out information about like things that could probably maybe trigger a response, you know, and but going in and playing Metallica for a guy that likes the Beatles, you're probably not going to get much, much, but if you if talk about the Beatles and maybe play a Beatles song, maybe you're going to get something, you know, like it's, it's all, it's all about having everything together when you're going into these places and, and trying to piece together the pieces, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important. And it shows a sign of respect. 
You know, yeah. you come in, you, you've done your research. You know what's a, what it's about. And it breaks that ice, you know. When I go to some of these old mansions and stuff, I always look at, like, just everything, the decorations, whatever, and I always point it out. If they have, like, an old typewriter or something, when you do the Mark Twain building, I'm like, oh, yep. my God, this is so beautiful. This must have cost so much money back then. Is it, did you really like using this thing a lot? You know, and just identify with them. What, what, what do they want to talk about? Because you get 10,000 investigators and they come in and they do the same old things they're seeing on TV. You know, tell me your name. Why are, why are you haunting here? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're just like, oh, enough. You know, they don't no, want to really talk about that all the time. I'm sighing for them, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like not another one of these guys. But you come in and I, and I, when, I when I'm doing my classes at the university, um, I talk about that. So you mix it up. You know, what, think about what you like and see if they like that, you know, that combination. I always say, hey, what's your favorite ice cream, you know, because that's something different. And people all like ice cream if they had ice cream in those times, right? you know, or, or, or whatever. You know? And that's why I always say when I'm going through there, I'm identifying their stuff and trying to point out chandeliers, these beautiful chandeliers. Talk about that. And sometimes the lady of the house will pop up on an EVP and tell you about their awesome crystal chandelier, you know? Yeah. No. Hey, it really, you don't know what's going to, what's going to trigger it unless you take the time to, to, to get to know people or the energies that are there. Exactly. Very, very important. So when you're at your, the Hinsdale house, um, how, how did you go about kind of uh, making yourself at home? There? Did you go through and talk to the spirits already and let them know that you're going to try to take care of them and stuff? Well, I mean, from the beginning, when I went there with my team, it was all I really knew. Like, I, I knew nothing about the house when I first went there. My my teammate said, you know, I'm going to brief you guys on the location when you get here. And I was pissed because, honestly, like, I went into a, a location blind. Um, he When we got there, it was in the middle of the winter. It was, like, December. Uh, no heat. There was flies buzzing around and subarctic temperatures, which freaked me out sat me in the living room, which is the only room that had power and a heater in it, and put his computer out and had me watch the episode of A Haunting. It's called The Dark Forest, which was based on the story of this house. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, I, I look at him, I go, Are, is this the house? Is this the house I'm in right now? They're talking about a, a poltergeist activity and a family being tormented and and uh, um, a demonic ent entity that was they tried to exercise that never never worked and, and he's like yeah cool i'm like i wasn't i, I was not happy <laughs> because you gotta you gotta mentally prepare yourself for something like that you know just don't go in blind and it you know after i got got took my breath and got common you know grounded and and went back in the location because i walked out i was like you got to be kidding me right now sight of a failed structural exorcism it's like man you got to really get your your mind yeah. mental for that you know and um i got got in there and, and the thing that really honed out was that the fact that every piece of equipment that we had that night wherever we set it up it was going off it was like the energies were trying to speak to us you know like they needed to have a voice and it continued like every time i went back there i got more and more infatuated with it not like the golem not like golem with the ring but i mean i was i was generally interested in the location because it had so many stories to it and um it got to the point where it, we were going to say goodbye to the location. We were there kind of like a, we were filming, putting it up on our YouTube. And um, 
I was in the kitchen. It was just me and two other people. And they were talking about the exorcism again. And I had started doing some more research on the location and found out about the history of the this older couple. They were the last couple to live there until 1986, the, the, the Misnicks. Uh, both passed away. So I, I said, you know, if this happened to these people in 1970 through 1974, I go, then there had to be people who lived here after. But it was so tough because it was a land lease to try to find information. But I did, you know, I did find out about the, the Misnick family. So I said, Flo, are you here? You know, Flo. And as, as they're talking about the exorcism, I had a K2 meter in my hand and got goosebumps instantly. The hair went up on my arm. K2 meter went all the way to 500 milligauss. I was like, oh, crap. Did I, did I get, did I, you know, hit the nail on the head here, you know, like, so I continued to have what I thought was a conversation with Flo, the old, old lady of the house, you know, and I, and the, the most astounding thing that happened is when I said, Flo, will you hold my hand as we go up the stairs? Of course, I had the K2 meter in my hand. And as I'm walking up the stairs, the thing staying lit in my hand, I'm feeling all this energy next to me all the way up the stairs into the master bedroom until we crossed over into the room that they deemed the portal room, you know? So from that point on, I was like, my God, you know, I got to, this, this place has got a demo date. How do I try to save this place? You know, cause they're away if, and got in contact with the, the bank and they said, you want to buy it without the house? I said, no, I want to buy it with the house. He said, you understand that the, it's, it's basically, you know, condemned. If they were to come in, it would be condemned. You know, I'm like, I know, I know. And I, 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 but I wanted it with the house. He's like, I'll tell you what. If you can come up with ten thousand dollars by it was basically in a couple weeks um to put a deposit down on it because they had to hold the mortgage because you couldn't i couldn't have a bank you know they wouldn't put a mortgage on that conde almost condemned house yeah exactly. um, worked out the deal with them and you know i just i had just bought a new house my personally with my family you know this is when we moved into the new house and i had to convince oh. my wife i'm like honey i got this income property down in the southern tier well, tell me about it. Well, it's got a bee problem, about a half a million honeybees. It needs a new roof, needs new siding. There's black mold all throughout the house. Needs some upkeep on the outside. You know, like all the pros of trying to like sell this to my wife. But then I told her about the experiences I had there, how passionate I felt about trying to save the house and the energies that were in there and trying to get their stories. And she allowed me to basically drain our bank account to get that place. And um, I remember driving up there looking at the you know with, with them with the cash with the cashier's check stopping in front of the house the the grass was four foot tall doors were wide open people broke into it and i said what the hell am i doing you know and then something just told me keep keep going just do it and i did and it's been you know it's been a story since then you know all the all the support that i've had from the paranormal community people in the surrounding areas um the television shows coming there you know i mean it's just it's been so it's allowed us to to reinvent the location, fix it up, and become a, a place that's very cohesive to research. And that's all we use it for. Nobody lives there. It's just a research center of paranormal people. So it's it's uh it's been quite the story, you know, and it continues to be, for sure. That's an amazing story, and I'm glad you were able to do that. Um, you did I could have been, been out on the I could have been out on the street, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had no idea how we were going to fix that roof before the winter, you know, like, and everybody came together. We, for the, it was going to cost like 12000 at the time. And because of local people and paranormal people that were in, into roofing, we ended up doing it for like $4,000 to get the roof fixed. Wow, that's awesome. Too. 
Yeah. You wrote a book about the the Hinsdale House, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I had a I have a book out. It's called uh, Hinsdale House and American Haunting. Uh, it tells kind of the story up to the time I wrote the book of the history, things that had happened there, um, and it's it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I have another book on the way too uh, that um, almost finished with. That's going to kind of give an update as to since that book was written, all the new stuff that we've uncovered and uh, a lot of the history. We're putting a lot of the information from the teams that have stayed there that are that's really compelling. So it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. That's awesome. You know, and just keeping the story alive, telling your story, your experience, having people come in and help you, um, community coming together. I mean, that's that's awesome just to save this house because it still has uh, life in it, so to speak. Everyone just thinks, oh, there goes, they're dead. It's like, no, they're, they're not really dead in the, in the sense that you're thinking. They're still alive. They're, the history's there. They're coming and going. They're, yeah. they're home away from home. And you're helping save that. They they must totally respect you for that. I think they do. And I think that it was also, you know, there's a lot that happens on the land um, as well. And I think that uh, it's it was all about gaining, gaining respect of the native uh, natives that were there because uh, we, you know, we found uh, relics that were buried. So it's definitely, I mean, it's all native American land if you ask me, but uh, there was definitely, you know, some things that we found there that uh, gave truth to that, that they were there, the sightings of the, uh, of a native American man and woman out by the pond. Um, so we paid homage to them. Every, you know, every group that comes there, I asked them to uh, go up behind the house up the hill and there's this tree up there. And it's become quite the spectacle where people can give donations and teams know to bring things too. So, I mean, you've got feathers dangling from all the branches. You've got like little gifts, uh, bracelets, beadwork, you know, you name it, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Uh, and I think that they really acknowledge the fact that we're there in peace and want our worlds to combine in this effort to try to uh, heal the land too, you know and heal the heal all the wrongs that may have happened there there's so much with a war and everything being fought and the natives being killed and um it happened right there in hinsdale the whole town of hinsdale was burned down at one point so wow that's sad but it also adds to the history of this place you know and like you said people know to bring bring things in and place them there which is awesome showing that uh like a memorial or an honor you know we're, we're honoring your memory it's not even about what you bring it's your intentions and i I, yeah. I i learned a lot too there was a shaman that that come come up there and did a blessing every year before he passed away and uh, i remember we were going out for dinner before and he got a hamburger and he saved a half of a hamburger and i said are you going to eat that later in the hotel he goes no this is my offering for the night i go oh i go a hamburger he goes it's not about it's not about what it is it's about your intentions and uh he used that as the offering for for what he did before he did his drum circle with the group that we we're having come up to the house and i thought that was cool just the just the the thought process behind that really makes you think you know like that you don't have to give a lot it's just all about your intentions of what your business is doing when you go go up to the location yeah because you're, you're giving a gift and that's that's awesome because you're getting a gift at the same time you get to be in the presence and experience this wonderful location so right I think that's another great icebreaker, you know, once again, we're, we're communicating with the spirit, showing respect right off the top. And every time you do that, you're going to have a better experience, even with the ones that are kind of hard to get along with. They're real pushy and they don't want to do this or that. 
if you just kind of show them that respect, they know you're not going to be some kind of jerk because, you know, we all see these shows where everyone's trying to uh, talk to ghosts and tell and tell them what to do and yell at them and threaten them and stuff. It's like, really? What do you expect you to get out of something like that? Right. You know, if I was a ghost, I would just go through the back door patio and sit in the backyard until you leave because I don't want to hang out with you. So, you know. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Be the cool guy. Be the interesting guy. Go in there and go and have fun. The most important part. So awesome. Um, do you want to talk about uh, any of the show stuff? I know you're, yeah. you're doing uh, a lot. I've been seeing your stuff on uh, the Roku TV channel, and that's always cool. Yeah, it's 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 weird how uh, you know your journey. What what happens when you're doing things that are? I, I want to say when you have a passion for something and you're following your passion, how things can work out, even if you don't think they're going to work out. You know, like everything led up to me buying the Hinsdale house. Right. And, uh, a couple months after buying it, you know, I get, uh, I get a a letter in the mail of about a group wanting to come into the the place. And, uh, I I was like, Hmm, these, these, these people seem to know uh, a little bit more about it. I was very intrigued because they did their research and they knew more about it than I did. So I was going to let them come there and do their show and film. I didn't know what show it was yet, you know, or, or if, if it was a television show, just that it could have been a YouTube show for all I know. And then uh, when I got the, co- I got a contract in the mail and it was from Groff Entertainment. And I was like, whoa, that's one of the big guys, you know? <laughs> um, so when Nick came there with Katrina to film Paranormal Lockdown is when a lot of things changed for the location, uh, putting it back out in the spotlight and um, just becoming friends with him. Uh, he's helped me a lot to the point now where we're, you know, I'm the production manager for his new show, Death Walker um being able to be involved with that and learn learn filming and it's just I, I have a passion for it and being able to story tell the stories of the locations and um it, it's really amazing um to be able to be involved with something like that because you would ask me 10 years ago if i'd be doing something like this i'd be like you know i was still working at a collection agency you know and i was like now here i am in an office you know working on a television show uh, and still and getting to do my passion of invol- uh, paranormal investigating throughout the country, talking about the Hinsdale house and, and, uh, um, and then of course, uh, joining the ghost finders too. Like, uh, you know, that opportunity opened up. I, I didn't know if I wanted to be on another team because <laughs> I was kind of like a solo type personality at that point. And everything just fell into place that I really loved that they had a witch on the team, which was different, you know, like the, her approach to investigating and her approach to, uh, it's, I mean, it's all similar as far as like um, ment- your mentality goes, but just how they, they offer to the land and to the peace and, and, the, and her, the rituals that they did. I thought it was so cool. And I just got really mentally involved with, with, the, with them as a group. And, and uh, now I'm the, you know, the host of the show and it's the, it's the longest running independent ghost hunting show out there. It's been like 12 seasons they've been going and uh, we're just started filming for our 13th or no, 11 seasons. We just started filming for the 12th season last weekend in Indiana. So I'm getting to experience all these locations, talk at conventions, you know, like it's just, it's unbelievable. Just if you follow your passion and and do things the right way, respect, show respect for people. What, what could, what could, um, what happened for just taking a chance in your life? You know, it's like I'm following, I feel like I'm, I'm down the right path. Everything that 
a psychic once told me seems to be coming true and I didn't believe it, you know, but you are yeah. what you cultivate, right? Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's, it's a weird thing stepping away from the things that you used to, like you're saying, you're, you're stuck at a desk job doing everything and your passion was on the side. But when you let go of that and you embrace your passion, um, you don't expect it to really change, but it does. It opens up a whole new world and that becomes your everyday thing. I had the same conversation with Johnny Zaffis. You know, he was talking about uh, his his work came to an end. They were laying people off and he was at a crossroads like, well, what am I going to do now? And him and, his, him and his wife were talking about it and they just thought, hey, let's just jump in and see what happens. He started putting himself out there, started writing the books. He got the TV show. I mean, so many of his books are, are based on movies now. I mean, uh, it's just you embrace that passion, and I think it all comes true for you. Right. I, I, I feel wholeheartedly about it. You know, like, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, if I look at where I where my life is right now, you know, I met you. I mean, and there was a reason, you know. Like, I mean, yeah. what are the chances? And it's all about, like, the connections you meet with people down the road you know if i didn't meet jay and marie and in salem that one time you know like we would have never met you know and it's all about like just being positive and and embracing what you're doing and, and enjoying it and if people can see that in you they want they want more of it you know so i don't I don't know. It's 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 just a, difficult to swallow sometimes, you know, because I don't really look at myself any different than anybody else out there. So I always try to give positive advice to people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's tough. You know, it's tough when you have passion for the paranormal because there's not a lot of there's not money to be made, really, unless you're doing like a television show or writing a book or or something like that. It's it's all skin and bone. So, yeah, it's all about but, it's all about networking and hustling as much as you can. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. But if yep. you're if your heart's into it and you have the passion for it, you'll just keep doing it regardless. And that's that's, that's what it. I think that's what we do. That's what I did. I just I didn't think it was gonna work out and all of a sudden I just kinda let go and I just pushed over to here and all of a sudden it's been nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. I'm like what? Do you I see on? I see all those uh those instruments behind you. Now you you're a musician, obviously, right? I am. And yeah, you I have a bunch of awards and stuff too. So so that um, I feel like the knowledge, cause I, so I'm a musician. I play the piano, guitar, violin. Cool. Um, and I, that was, that's a passion of mine because that when you know, it's like petting a dog or something, you know, like when you're, when you're down and out or you just need a mental break, you can pick up the guitar and just play. And it's like, you're, you're in your Zen. Right. Um, and I also got involved with uh, entertainment services international when I was in college. And I learned so much as far as like, um, I learned so much as far as like promoting and marketing. And I feel like a lot of the knowledge that I learned from um, that, I learned for, uh, you know, I put it forth with what I'm doing with the paranormal right now, as far as like making show flyers and like, and uh, promoting events that I go to. I, I feel like a lot of the knowledge I learned using the uh, paranormal uh, is, or using the music industry I put forth into the prom promotion of the paranormal, you know? Yeah. It's pretty close. I mean, it's the same concept, the same principle, you know, you just got one product versus the other. You just push it out there. Uh, the music, the music thing for me and 
is worked great alongside the paranormal stuff because a lot of people ask me about the music stuff a lot when I do the paracons. So it's pretty cool. So I get to experience both. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it both uh it worked uh both ways, you know. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. And you like working with Nick, huh? Yeah, he's uh just he's a very positive influence on me. Um I mean, we share an office together. Um he's a good guy, good family guy. I I looked up to him. I look up to him as the way that he handled handled himself as far as like with his family cuz I have a family. And that's a tough, you know, it's a tough, you know, to be able to balance everything as far as um, uh, your family and being on the road and, and filming and all that kind of stuff. And I, re I really looked up to him. I still do as far as uh, the way he handles himself with everything, you know? Yeah, he's just got a, a, a good vibe to him overall. I mean, he's a good person and everything, but he's just so, uh, like you said, positive and he kind of inspires you in a lot of ways it doesn't have to be just the paranormal it could be a lot of different things it could be anything and he seems to be very open and uh very down-to-earth kind of guy so that's pretty cool he's a good guy yeah yeah definitely definitely has taught me a lot that's for sure that's awesome very 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 cool so for you guys who are either listening to the show on liveparanormal.com or those you who are following us on all the other places that we are streaming, iHeartRadio and of course the YouTube channel and everything that's listed here in the corner, History FM. Um, we are talking to Daniel Class, and we're just talking about him working with the Ghost Finders, and he is also the owner of um, the Hinsdale House, which we've seen in a lot of TV shows. You were talking about how you saw it on uh, my ghost story and all these old uh, adventures. And that's right, you know, this shows, this house has been on everything and he has been giving, uh, he owns it and he's been giving life back to it, which is uh, amazing. Very, very cool. Um, you're doing that. I think that's important for a lot of people, you know, when I'm trying to do these paracons, I'm trying to raise money for the place. It's not about me or me trying to take money because I don't. I put more into what I get out of this stuff, but it's important for me to uh, find a historical place like that. We've got great spirits in there and they deserve to have their stories told. So I think that's super awesome. And you guys can find out more if you go to danielclass.com. That's Daniel K-L-A-E-S.com. Find out about the shows. You can find out about the house. You can set up an appointment to uh, do some investigative work there. Um, he's made it really easy for you guys, been giving you the history and some of the history of the other investigators who haven't investigated there. You can check out that stuff as well. So what's coming up for you next? What's the future hold for Daniel? So we got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of events coming up. I have, um, besides for my daughter's cheer competition this weekend, which I couldn't miss, I'll, I'll be uh, going back to Arizona to film a uh, sizzle reel for travel channel um at, at, after easter um and then i'll be going to michigan to film uh as well uh that following weekend um i have uh, i'll be going up to michigan at the end of the month for little Traverse bay paracon in the upper peninsula um, i'll also be going to um i have a, like a list of them here uh, rochester new york parafest 
which is the second week of May, then uh, Ohio State Reformatory for Parasitecon in the third week of May. Uh, and then we'll be filming for our next shoot for the Ghost Finders the following weekend. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, Hinsdale House is busy all during the week. We're going to be filming new Death Walker episodes throughout the month of May um, and, and doing all the reenactments throughout the month of June um, and getting those all ready for season four of Death Walker to, to hopefully be out for this this Halloween. That's awesome. It's going to keep you pretty busy. Yeah, I just said all that and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go nuts. Yeah, you got to find some time for yourself and the family. Trying to yeah, well, I have, down. I have, uh, we have some time worked out for that as well, you know. Trips to Disneyland and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just took, we just took one right before Arizona, actually. So. Oh, you did? You go to the haunted yeah. mansion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my that was my daughter's favorite. We got the. Um, this is the this is the little memento that I that I got from there. The, oh no! Yeah, with the haunted mansion, but this is the Hollywood Tower Hotel, the Terror Hotel, or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, that she she loved that. We went in that like um probably like seven or eight times. We went on that ride. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, and the the haunted mansion is cool too. It's actually haunted. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's really it is definitely really cool. Um, I enjoyed that. I've been on that one. Yeah, I, I try to get into Disneyland to see if they do an investigation, but they won't let people in for that. So no. Seem like seems like they're against it. Yeah, well, you're well, you're not allowed to die in Disneyland either. If you if you're gonna die, they'll actually take you off the property, so you can die off the property. Which really? I, which I, yes, they're trying to protect the reputation that much. They don't want to have to say, "Oh, someone died here or someone died there," you know. But it, people have died there, but they try to keep it to a minimal. So they'll take the ambulance or whatever, and they'll take you to off property right away, trying to get you to a hospital. Like you went to a hospital. So I get it. People don't want to tarnish their reputation. It's all about the money. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's that's basically what it is, you know. Yeah. So, so we've got some time left. I want to see since you've been doing the paranormal quite a while now. Can you tell us uh, one of your most intense experiences doing an investigation? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, there's there's a couple. I was in I was in Davenport, Iowa at this uh amazing old mansion that overlooked the water and uh it's used for a, we don't you know, say the name of it because it's used for like a wedding venue <laughs> but i was actually uh-huh. being able to, to sleep in the sleep in the place and uh the spirits they were very active uh with the event that we had the night before and then i had like the, the the amazing room um you know just just really cool like the old wooden shutters and stuff like that and i had a pretty good night's sleep you know, it seemed like they just allowed, I had a camera on myself. I filmed myself while I was sleeping, but then at around six, six thirty in the morning, I, I got awoken to the shutters being flung open. Like, like that maid came in the room or something and, and, uh, flung the shutters open and the light was coming in. I was like, I got out of my bed and I was like, how, what, what, you know, those, those were like flung open. They were like, boom, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, Another one was at the Hinsdale house uh, that really stands out to me because this was a, it was just me and my, my friend Kaylee, you know, she's a skeptic. She had never been there before. And she's like, you know, we spend the night and it was an off night. It was like during the week. I'm like, all right, you know, so we had ordered a pizza and we were just sitting in the kitchen and it was quiet. It was, you know, and no matter what, you know, I tried to like get them to come out and speak. It wasn't like, it was like nothing was happening. I'm like, great, you know. 
they're usually like as as active as can be and finally I have my friend here and she's nothing's happening you know <laughs> so it was like three and three about three in the morning and uh we went to the, she's like let's get some shut eye because we could, she had to get up at like 6 37 uh and uh, i was on the one couch and she was on the other and the only light that was on in the room was the night light on the wall and i I'm turned over on the couch. Now this couch has had many occurrences of paranormal things happening from arms going underneath blankets to, to blankets levitating, stuff like that. And I'm not one to say that I get touched, you know, like all the years I've been doing this, very rarely do I ever feel anything like something's trying to like grab me or something. And I'm laying on the couch and um, I, I felt something just brush the back of my neck, like real lightly, like a feather. And, um, I turned around and there was a black shadow, like right in the living room, like, and you could see it, it was going in front of the light and it was blocking the light. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Kaylee, you know, I'm kicking over on the other chair. I'm like, Kaylee. And she turned around and she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you see that? You know, and it kept, cause it kept going back and forth. I'm like, yes. She goes, I go, this is what you wanted. And here you go. You know? And, uh, she jumped over onto the couch with me. And uh, it continued to like walk back and forth and then dissipated right into the one room, uh, the other room that's off the, the living room. And uh, I just remember that for just being able to see that with my own eyes. I remember the first time I saw a shadow figure for the first time and I was at an old theater and I was alone up in the balcony, the mezzanine level. And uh, I, I, I took one of those big gulps of air when you when you see this thing for when you see something like that for the first time in your life you you kind of put life into perspective you know like is this real what's going on right now why is this thing able to you know so we had a laser grid up so the, the what was really making me think is that the laser light was not penetrating through this which means it would be a solid right yeah but no because it, it walked into the wall it glided into the wall the projection room and uh I don't know. So I, I freaked out, got up after it went into the projection room, ran out to the, the street, probably took me a good hour and a half to, uh, to get it, you know, to, to get it together. And my, my buddy had gone in there with, with his camera and plastered pictures up there in the balcony and captured it, captured a picture of what I saw on his camera. And, uh, just, just, you know, like that was like towards the beginning of when I started doing stuff. So, you know, and I was freaked out at that point, yeah. but then it made me want more. That's pretty so, amazing just to be able to capture it just walking right through a wall. A lot of people don't get to experience something like that. Yeah. And it's like you you see something like that. It's like life, life altering in a way. And it freaked me out so bad. But then I see myself like wanting more. You know, you just want more. Once something like that happens again, you want it again. You want to be able to experience it again. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen all the time, you know. And. You know, it's only happened a few times in my whole career where I've actually been able to visually see something with my own eyes without the help of like a camera or something, you know? Yeah, that's exciting. The first time I saw a, a shadow person in real life, uh, it, it wouldn't say it freaked me out, but I saw the shadow just get up out of the corner and start moving across the end of the hallway. And uh, I which it confused me for a second. My brain had a process like, okay, shadow, no light behind us. I mean, what? Where, where is this guy going? And that was my thought. I was like, um, okay. Shadow person just kind of got up and walked out of the way of the hall into another room. 
saw us coming and probably didn't want to hang out with us because probably thought we were lame. But just the fact that a, shadow, a big, big shadow, too, just gets up and starts heading that way. And you're just like, huh? What's going on? You know, it's just kind of kind of throws you for a minute. And it's exciting. You're just like, holy crap. Let's go find that guy. Let's get more of that. Yeah, now you run towards him, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, dude, where'd you go? Hey, come out here. Talk to us. Hang out. Let's party. Uh it is pretty interesting. And I think that that goes with a lot of people who experience things like that in the paranormal. You know, you go out there looking for it. You got to be uh, somewhat ready for it when it does happen. But how, how ready can you really be? And all of a sudden, you're like, this thing starts moving over here. Or this guy, the shadow's getting up and moving. You know? you yeah, I don't, care, I don't care who you are or how ready you are. When something like that happens, you freak out a little bit. A little bit of bone chillingness in your spine happens, you know? Yeah. You know, because we're we think we're ready, but we're only about you know seventy five, if even that, ready. You know, it's the unknown. We don't know what to expect. Anything can happen at given times. I mean, I've been I've been beat, beat up pretty good before, out of nowhere and nothing. So it's like really, I've, I've been punched in the face, you know, and bitten. It's like, what the hell's going on with that? I didn't do anything to you, but whatever. You know, you just gotta be prepared for scratches and whatever might happen. Do you think, though, sometimes the energies don't know how to contain their energy? That maybe they're not trying to do that to you? Maybe that's a, a situation where they just don't know their own, they're without their battery, you know, so they can't control what happens when they're trying to maybe well, shake your hand or put their hand on your shoulder or something and it comes across as a scratch. I mean, there's a lot of different theories and stuff. There, there are things like that, but for those those two instances with the bite and the punch, yeah, I, I egged that on, so I, I deserved what I got. And I learned a big lesson out of that. Yeah. You know, it was it was a spirit of these bikers that were terrifying this little old lady, and we were there trying to help out. You know, I was in the room alone, so I'm sitting on the bed, and I just started talking smack. Hey, you guys think you're all tough because, you know, you're beating up on this old lady. You think you guys are a bunch of tough bikers? What about me? You know, I'm a, I'm a big biker, too. You, 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 what can you do to me? And I didn't feel the punch. Well, there but, you go. Whatever happened, happened because I got up and went outside and our cameraman was like, dude, what happened to your face? I'm like, what? He's like, your whole face is swollen. Go in the mirror. And I looked and it was all like white and red. Like I just got sucked in the face. Damn. Yeah. So it's like, okay, okay. You know, even though, you know, you don't feel it physically, the energy that's coming at you like that, the aggression, like the, like the guy in the subway during Ghost, and he's like, you got to take that energy and explode it out. That energy force hit my face and my body reacted to it like at just as if I got punched. So that's, that's amazing. You know, they can do that to you, but just don't go asking for it. I learned not to do that anymore because you'll yeah. get what you're asking for. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I would so. never ask. I would never ask upon that on myself. No, I just felt bad for this little lady. They were choking her and stuff, and I thought, you know, that's... Oh, well, yeah. That's, I, I, might def, I might deflect then if that, that was happening, for sure. Yeah, so I wasn't thinking about the outcome of talking smack to a bunch of ghost bikers, you know, because they're... You say that to any biker, they're going to hit you. <laughs> I mean, right, hey, right. Don't ask for it. You know, that's interesting. Um, for all the places that you desire to want to investigate, what would be your number one favorite place to possibly investigate? I always say, like, I'd like to explore Europe more, maybe, like, do the catacombs, have the catacombs alone, 
alone in Paris to myself or something like that, or maybe even a, a pyramid, you know, something, something ancient. Uh, I'd, love be awesome. to, yeah, I'd love to be able to do, to do something like that, um, which it's not, not out of the realm. So, I mean, yeah, it's hard to get visas for that stuff. They don't want people going in there messing around and adding to that kind of history for some it doesn't. If, if, if I was going in for a history tour or doing something history wise, doesn't mean I might not have a recorder and a K2 meter oh. in my two pockets. Right. I do it all the time. <laughs> do it all the time. So that's awesome. You got to yeah. be prepared. You never know. Exactly. They're, they go with me wherever I go. So. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, awesome. We're going to have to wrap here. We're coming to the end of the show. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and spending some time with us. Really oh, glad. thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Really glad to share people and to know more about the Hintel House. I'm sure. A lot of people who follow the show probably seen it or know about it by now, but now they know they can get a chance to go check it out. Especially if you're in the, the East Coast area in New York. I mean, there's no reason why you can't go there and experience an amazing location in that place. You know, and help the spirits out. Let them know that you're there for them, you know. They'll appreciate right. that. And they'll, they'll, they'll hang out with you a lot more. So, awesome. All right, man. Until Thank next you. time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Now we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. General class, everybody. Very cool. You know, uh, got to work with him at Vulture City. You guys know that. We talked about it a little bit at the last couple of shows. Uh, going back out there again in October. Big, big special things happening there uh, that we will talk about closer to the show. But that is going to be it. Make sure you check out the show at liveparanormal.com for the audio Go to the YouTube channel, go to Paraflix, um, go to uh, Apple TV, Roku TV, find it all. So with that being said, we will see you guys next time right here on My Darkest Hour. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 